Well, folks, I hope you found that helpful, that little summary. Gee, it's hard not to sing, isn't it? Yeah. I found myself a couple of... You're a big hummer, mate. I could, <laughs> I could hear you even above the singing. Well, that's great, brother, that you're doing that. Uh, thank you for Gab for uh, praying and for Becky uh, for, for the Bible reading. Friends, uh, let me pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you for your grace and your love. Father, we do want to thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray right now that you might just open our hearts and minds, that your spirit might take the words that we hear and apply them to our lives. Father, we ask that we might be the best followers possible, followers of the Lord Jesus. And we do pray these things for his name's sake. Amen. Well, what is your calling? You know, I've uh, heard people talk about uh, their calling as like a profession uh, or a vocation. You know, I'm called to be a doctor. I'm called to be uh, a lawyer. I'm called to be a dentist or whatever the case may be. It's really interesting. I never hear anyone talking about, I'm called to be a labourer. Or I'm called to be uh, a tradie. Now, folks, I don't think the, the Bible talks like that. I mean, whatever profession we have, I take it that, uh, that uh, it's given to us, that opportunity is given to us so that we could put food on the table and live. But our calling in the Bible is not our day job. It's who we are and who we live for. Our calling is to follow Jesus by living in love, by being united with each other, appreciating our diversity and growing in maturity together as the body of Christ. We've uh, been going through the book of Ephesians and uh, we started right from January and in chapters 1 to 3 we talked about doctrine. It was all theology, doctrine, God's vision of our calling and now we start chapter 4 and this is the second part of the book and it's all about the, the practice practicalities of that theology, our responsibility to our calling. So how do we guard? How do we protect? How do we strengthen our calling? Well, Paul tells us. The first thing he says, live in love. Live in love. He says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of that calling you have received be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Paul is a prisoner. He's under house arrest, but he's under this deep, deep conviction to serve the Lord Jesus. What a passion he's got. He begs, he urges, he exhorts the Ephesians to live a life worthy of their calling. Folks, what he's really saying, he's saying to live their spiritual reality. If they are Christians, Paul's already talked about, they are in Christ. They are in one, they are in union with Jesus in faith. Now he's saying, live that unity. Live that oneness. Live it. You know, pride lurks behind all disunity and discord. Because pride is always about me, it's always about ourselves and not about others or what God wants. On the other hand, humility recognises the value of others. And friends, when we look at the cross, we see that. 
Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross for you, for me, people who are sinful. Gentleness cares to strengthen others like Christ protects us with his word, with his spirit. And patience is tolerating aggravating people. You know what I mean by that, don't you? If you've got an aggravating person beside you, don't look. Jenny, stop looking. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd look if I was you too. But folks, Jesus accepts us, warts and all. And folks, this is practical charity. This is practical love. It's loving each other from the heart. It's having a sacrificing attitude of wanting the best for the other person and not just for me. It's for forgiving people's shortfalls. We all want love, don't we? Don't we? We all want to love. We, we, all, we want love in our marriages. We want love in our relationships. We want love in, in our work relationships. But that's not always the case, is it? What breaks our love for one another? Well, folks, it's when we are selfish. When we are selfish with our time. When we are selfish with the, what we can offer. When we are not around to encourage and have that fellowship. When we are unforgiving, unaccepting of the other person, even though they might be different. When we take offence over other people's insensitivity. And folks, more importantly, when we shamefully forget that Jesus spilt his blood for you and for me, out of love for you. You know, in 1967, uh, the Beatles had that hit, All You Need Is Love. Do you remember that? All you need is love. Da, da. Yeah, I'm not going to sing that. Don't worry about that. It's interesting, in 1970, they broke up. <laughs> In 1975, Neil Sedaka talked about uh, breaking up is hard to do, but you know what's harder? Staying together. Living in love. And that's why Paul says, make every effort. So we are called to live in love. Secondly, we are called to develop our unity. And he says there in verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And this whole idea of one, this whole idea of unity, this whole idea of oneness appears seven times in a few verses. And three of them regards the Trinity and four of them regards how we ought to operate. And Paul says we are one body because there is one spirit. He says we have one faith, one baptism, one hope because there is one Lord Jesus. And then he says, and we are one family, we are one church, because we will have one heavenly Father. And folks, even when you read it, you, you think the unity of God is undeniable. It's indestructible, it's inseparable. And you know what? That's how the unity of the church ought to be too. It should be undeniable, inseparable, indestructible. The family of God. Now, folks, I just want you to imagine. Imagine a family. Mum and Dad, and they have three kids, and they have three boys. Unfortunately, the mother and the, and the dad, well, they can't relate anymore. Unfortunately, they get a divorce. 
And what does that happen? Well, as soon as that happens, it forces the kids to choose sides. The boys lose contact with each other. In fact, one son goes overseas. He changes his name by G-Pole, his surname by G-Pole. But you know what? Nothing can destroy the circumstance of birth. Yes, the family is broken up. It's disunited. But it is still a family. And folks, I want to say in a similar way, nothing can destroy the circumstance of our rebirth. Isn't that good? If you're a Christian, you've been born again. The Bible says we are brothers and sisters in Christ. But he also says, Paul says, make every effort. Make every effort. Be responsible for the unity that we have. The God of peace wants to do everything possible so that we might live that peace and unity with each other. We are in unity and love, and folks, I want to say that can be the greatest witness in the church. My favourite passage in the Bible, I've mentioned it a number of times, is Acts chapter 2. And it's the early church, and uh, we read that the, uh, the, the, the early believers met each other, in fact, they met each other with each other every day. They worshipped together every week. They sang together. They ate together. They shared in the Holy Communion together. They gave when anyone had need. They did everything together. They didn't stay away from one another. They were together. And then, you know what it says? In verse 7, I think it is, And the Lord added to their number daily. It was like the people on the outside were saying, I like what they got. We want to have that. Folks, when we're united, when you don't stay away and we're together, that is a testimony, that is a witness, it's a silent witness to those who do not know the Lord Jesus. What breaks our unity? What stops people coming together? Well, it's when we think of me, when we think of me and not we. It's when we're selfish, when we are not making the effort to be with each other. Sometimes it's very convenient to stay at home, isn't it? Make an excuse. We can do this, that, or the other. We are not at peace with God or harbouring unforgiveness. That breaks our unity also. So Paul is saying, we are called. We are called to live in love and we are called to develop our unity. It makes, it's an effort. Thirdly, he says, appreciate our diversity. Uh, in verse 7 he says, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. Uh, Paul now turns from our unity to our diversity. We are one and yet we are different. Uh, in verse 6 the word all together is mentioned four times and, and now in verse 7 we have the word each. We're not clones. Uh, we are not replicas of one another. We are not mass-produced. That's dull and boring, isn't it? God is not about our uniformity, where everyone is exactly the same. God is about our unity with that diversity. And in the Christian church, just, just look around, have a look around. We all look different, but we all like different things and we all do different things, aren't we? 
And yet we are still one, the Bible says. The Christian church has a variety of people and we have a variety of gifts to enrich the life of the church. That's why God has given us gifts. It's for the church. It's interesting, Paul then quotes uh, Psalm 68, how these gifts come, up, come about. He talks about the giver of these gifts and the character of gifts. gifts. And just like a military conqueror who ascends into victory and then grabs all the spoils, the booty if you want, and then, uh, and then he rides triumphantly to his people and distributes those gifts. Friends, in a similar way, Jesus has conquered Satan and death through his own death and resurrection. He ascended into heaven and now he distributes those gifts, those spoils among his people, you and me. The character of these gifts I mentioned here are all uh, teaching gifts. They're prophets and apostles who are foundational for the church. That's why, because they're foundational, we no longer have prophets and apostles in the same way. There are evangelists and pastor teachers that we do have today who proclaim the mystery of the gospel, who reveal the truth about Jesus to the world. But these are no exhaustive gifts. There are many gifts, and in Romans and in Corinthians you have all these other uh, gifts that uh, the Apostle Paul talks about. In fact, someone counted there are 27 odd gifts, but they're not exhaustive lists. You have the gifts of hospitality, you have the gifts of helps, you have the gifts of service, you have the gifts of generosity. And I know, many of you, and I know you have certain gifts where it's easy for you to do a certain thing because you are just wired that way. Praise God. We all have different gifts and God wants us all to use those gifts for what purpose? Look at verse 12. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach the unity and faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Friends, everybody, every person here this morning has, has gifts and they are to use those gifts for God's church because it helps God's church grow. You might have talents, you might have gifts and you're not using them. Well, that's unfortunate. They shouldn't be hidden, they shouldn't be unused. The gifts that you are given, the talents that you are given are for the express purpose of the benefit of God's church. Don't say, I don't know what my gift is and use that as an excuse to do nothing. Do something and then you'll soon know what your gift is. And if you haven't really got a clue and you want to be involved, then come and see me. Come and see one of the staff members. Come and see someone that you might uh, value. Our diverse gifts are given to the development and unity of God's church. And folks, can I say, if we are not using our gifts, if we are not involved in Christian service, if you are not coming every week to be an encouragement to others, you are robbing God's church. It's not my church. It's not Debbie Bannister's church. I know a lot of you think that it's Debbie Bannister's church. 
But it is God's church. And you are robbing yourself of God's calling on your life. And so Paul is saying, your calling is to live in love. Your calling is to develop unity. Your calling is to appreciate diversity. And finally, your calling is to grow in maturity. And in verse 16, I'll just read one verse. The whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. I just love all those words. Paul's talking about, you know, the, the human body, but he's also talking about the body. We're all connected. We are, we're all tied together. We belong to each other. I need you. You need me. Church is the body of Christ. We are connected. And we don't want to go breaking what's connected. You know, I've been told that 80% of people who uh, buy gym, gym memberships, uh, they stop after, uh, after a couple of months. Here's up those people who have... Uh, Going to the gym and then have stopped. Ah, oh, we're not a real healthy lot, are we? I reckon I've uh, gone to the gym about a half a dozen times, or maybe more, even more, and a half a dozen times I've uh, stopped. Why? Because it's easier to stop when you're on your own. It's easier to drift away. And folks, some people try to do that with their Christian faith. They try to live solo. Uh-uh. It ain't going to work. You'll drift away from the fellowship and then it'll mean you'll drift away from God. A body grows in size and in maturity. And Paul says, if you are growing in maturity, have a look what he says in verse 14, then you'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here from every wind of teaching and the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming, instead speaking the truth in love. Folks, immature Christians will be tossed around by false teaching. They will get caught up in the ways of the world. That's why they need, we need each other to be together. Because outside, when we're on our own, Satan will use his craftiness. Satan will convince you of those excuses. And Paul is saying, guys, you are no longer children. We don't play with our little cars and our jollies anymore, do we? Some of us, The cars are just nothing. And I, I don't remember, maybe you've uh, heard the same thing from your parents. And I, and I reckon I used to hear it at least once a week from my parents. Tony, grow up! I don't know why, but that's what they would say. Have, you, have your parents ever said that to you? No? There's four honest people amongst them. But you know what? That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, grow up! And how do you grow up? When you grow in Christ. Folks, in some ways, what Paul is saying, it's unloving not to grow up. Because our immaturity will hinder others. We are not babes in the faith. Yet some Christians are being hindered because they are feeding from elsewhere, not from the family and his word. Friends, if we are growing in maturity, then Paul says one of the signs will be that you will be growing in truth and love together. You know, some people are just interested in the truth. They become very legalistic, hard and academic. Um, most of you are aware that uh, Chris and Christie 
our Debbie and I's, uh, our kids uh, have gone to Malta and uh, they're in Malta, they've been there for uh, about a month or something, three weeks, I, I know everything, uh, uh, what's happening with them. But at, at, at the service, at the commissioning service, I was preaching and I, uh, we, we were, there was many people who were a little bit, uh, bit teary-eyed. Um, I was choking uh, because, you know, they were going. And I know Debbie was uh, choking up a little bit. And one of our friends came up to Debbie and just said, oh, oh, don't worry, Debbie, uh, but it's all for the best. Well, folks, that might have been true, but they weren't the right words. <laughs> they were truthful words, but they weren't loving words. What Debbie probably needed is a, a hen over the arm. And, hey, we, 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 we're rooting for you. We're praying for you. Some people are just interested in love. It's soft and fluffy. And they will even tolerate bad behaviour so they won't offend. Folks, that's not love. When you see a brother or a sister doing the wrong thing and you say nothing, that you are not loving that person. Truth is hard if it's not softened by love. And love is soft when it's not strengthened by truth. We need both together. Well, you're calling... Friends, can I say, there is a calling on your life. There is a calling on your life. And it involves us all together. Live in love. In other words, we need to be forgiving. We need to be acceptable of one another. Develop our unity. Be around. We need each other. Model ourselves in the Holy, the Holy Trinity. You never see the Trinity, the Holy Spirit saying, hey guys, I'm going to leave you for a while. You know what's happening, you can guys can... No, no, no. They are one, they are together all the time. We need to be one and together all the time. Appreciate our diversity. You have gifts. See me if you don't know what they are. Be involved to help God's church grow and grow in maturity as we grow in love and in truth. Folks, if I ask you the question, does Jesus see your efforts in accepting your calling? Are you making the effort? Paul says there right at the beginning, I urge you. Another word for urge is I beg you, I beseech you, I implore you, uh, I plead with you. And folks, I want to say the exact same thing. To live a life worthy of your calling. Let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, we do acknowledge that you are Lord and Master of our lives. Father, help us to come under Help us to come under your Lordship as we submit our whole lives to you. Help us not to live lives of convenience. Help us to live lives of commitment to you and to one another. And Father, I just want to thank you for the faithful people in this church. The people who are encouraging, the people who are gracious, the people who, who do serve the people who are generous. And Father, I pray that they might be an example to those who are still immature in the faith. 
And we do pray all these things for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Amen.